Big Fluff. Where's my family? You should have stayed, Dad. I am not your mother. No, my mother never cleaned the toilet in her life. Maybe that was her problem. <laughs> my mother. My mother taught me what was necessary to rule in this universe. By killing people? I create life! And I destroy it. Life is an act of consumption, Jupiter. To live is to consume. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and look for a silver lining. That's what we do. And sometimes we succeed. I think we're four for four so far. Yeah. I mean, we uh, the silver lining of this podcast is that we've done it every single time. So, yeah. So, perfect track record. But it's a new month, a new theme. Last month, if you didn't listen... Uh, it was all Star Wars movies. We did all three of the prequels, and then we did uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um, I got a little angry on that one, but oh yeah, you did. But I purged that, and I feel <laughs> I feel good today. I feel optimistic. New month. Would you like to tell the people what we're doing this month, and then what this movie in particular? Uh, sure. We- uh, yeah. So this month <clears throat> we sort of focus on uh, big summer tent poles, and even more specifically. Movies that try to kickstart franchises and all four movies this month failed. Look, a lot of executives have sat in uh, meetings with very excited filmmakers and said, make us the next MCU. Do that. <laughs> Build a <laughs> cinematic universe. And uh, sometimes that works out like the MCU. And then sometimes you get these movies that we're going to be watching uh, did you say the one that we're doing today? No, I didn't. Uh, so this month we are doing a movie by the Wachowskis mm-hmm. called Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending came out in 2015, I believe. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. Yeah, it was meant to be a big... I remember the previews for this one. I remember that it was like really heavily advertised. You got Mila Kunis, you know, who's beloved mm-hmm. in America. You got... Uh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. That dancing. Hey, I'm a Channing Tatum fan. I'm just going to put that out there. I like Channing Tatum. I'll say this Uh, I'm not not a fan of Channing Tatum. I think he has a lane. And I think when he's in that lane, uh, really great things happen. And that's usually dancing or comedy or uh, when he does both, like in Hail Caesar, which if we ever want to do that movie as a movie that people will say is. yeah, maligned. I don't like that movie. I love that movie. So we I could, know you do. We could have yeah. that discussion someday, and I'll talk about how much I love that movie and Channing Tatum in it. Uh, but that's not today. today. That's not today. Today, um, it also has Eddie Redmayne. Mm-hmm. It was fresh off. Fre- like, he carried his Oscar to the set of this movie, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah like, he, that thing was still brightly polished. It was but- in a few of the shots, I think, if you really look at <laughs> it. It might as well have been. <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah. Oscar then, winner Eddie Redmayne. Just, Oscar winner Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, 
and one of the best named characters. No, sorry, best named actors. Uh, she played Kalik, one of the Abrasax royalty. Uh, the the girl. I'm gonna take your word for it. I don't know what Anyways. words you just said. I watched this movie, but <laughs> literally, I you just said gobbledygook Those, to me. <laughs> yeah, that that should give you a clue to why this movie didn't work out as well as they hoped. Um, but the actress that plays uh, Kalik Abrasax, uh, her name is Tuppence Middleton. Tuppence. Tuppence, like two <laughs> pence. Tuppence. That's pretty great. I like it. Yeah, uh, that's a great name. Yeah, that would have been a better name for the character, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent of the way. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm gonna guess that a lot of people have not seen this movie. That's probably fair. relative to Star Wars. Yeah, especially. definitely relative to Star Wars. Uh, I had not seen this movie. Uh, I will say, if we if we get your, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say two things. If you're still with us. Uh, if you hit play on this and then you're like, I haven't seen this movie, um, hopefully we will make this accessible to you and it'll still be enjoyable. We can talk about it in a way, assuming that you haven't seen it. I will also say if we get you curious, if if our silver lining <laughs> shines so bright, uh, this baby is free on Netflix. So if you've yeah. already watched all the Matrix movies again <laughs> and you're <laughs> like, I want a little bit more Wachowskis, but like not good, uh, then – this is there for you. You just type it in. You can just watch it. So, yeah. I um. So, look, just really quick, just sort of broad strokes plot summary. This is your standard uh, protagonist from a nothing background is actually. Yeah. Can I actually more? Do, do you mind, like, if you don't mind, because I, this actually speaks to what I think is a big problem with the movie. So I'm going to just, for the sake of our listeners who might not be familiar, I'm actually going to streamline this down to what I think should have been the pitch. Which okay, is, there are three terrible aristocratic siblings who own planets, one of which being Earth. Uh, and they want to. I guess this is spoilers too. I'm gonna, but like minor, like it's, it's okay because I'm gonna get to that. This too. comes out in the in in the first act. It's all. Uh, it's nothing big. But uh, they there's a, there's a resource on Earth that is keeping them young, and that's why they want to uh, exploit Earth for that. Uh, Mila Kunis is uh, she's like a, a house cleaner or janitor or she cleans a lot of toilets. I was I don't know that we got very specific on her job, but it seems to involve cleaning toilets a lot. She worked for like a cleaning, like a residential cleaning service. Yeah. Like they cleaned houses. So she, she always got stuck with the toilets. Yeah. So she's a lot of cleaning toilets. Uh, nothing background, like you said. Uh, but it turns out that she is <laughs> and stay with me here. The genetic <laughs> reincarnation of these three terrible space children's mother, which gives her uh, claim to Earth. And that sort of sets everything into motion because they want Earth for the goo that they bathe in that keeps them looking young because they are thousands of years old. Yeah. And that yeah. does that feel pretty good? Because I, I feel like it took me a long that, time. That gets it. That's it. Yeah. Because I think the first problem with this movie is it took me a long time to realize that was the story we were doing because there's a <laughs> lot of other information that is really thrown at us. Uh, it kind of felt like like a lot of homework that turned out to not really have any point. Uh, yeah. 
you know, there, there's a backstory about her dad being killed, which I really thought was going to have a point. That's like where we it start doesn't. with her. Could have skipped all of that. Her dad has nothing to do with anything. Uh, a lot of information about the kids that didn't turn out to be so important. But like, I, and that's the thing is, I, I will just say that like when we got to the thing, like when I understood the stakes and what was happening, I will say it was great. But the movie worked a lot better when I understood what was happening and what we were watching. Yeah, I, I will. I will say that, and I'll even say. Um, as as ridiculous as that she is the genetic reincarnation of these horrible aristocratic trip siblings um i i don't know i thought that like that was fun i, I don't he, think it's the silver lining but i like, the gonna, idea that, yeah go ahead oh i'm just going to say you know and maybe this is jumping ahead a little bit i i think that the biggest problem in this movie is th- the, the focus is off. Like, and we talked about this. This came up a bit in like the Star Wars prequels. And I don't know that they told the wrong story here, like we said they did with the prequels, but they didn't focus on the the things that were interesting and often focused on things that weren't. But I think if they had distilled this down to these three are terrible, like privileged, because I think that's what they were going for. They're like really privileged really terrible, entitled brats. Their mom seemingly was also not so great, but she looks like their mom, however, came from humble beginnings and is going to thus offer a blue-collar perspective for their lives. That stuff, that should have been more of the movie and not enough time, I think. And I think my note, and we'll get to more, is like, Eddie Redmayne is taking some swings and I honestly wish <laughs> the other two had like gone a bit broader because I think they were too understated for what was going on. And I honestly wish uh, all three had like really you need like uh, Ben Schwartz to have played one of them. Like just yeah. get John Ralphio <laughs> like you like way more hedonistic, way more just like the other two should have been Ben Schwartz and Jenny Slate. Oh my God, John John Ralphio and Mona Lisa Ralphio instantly better if just with those kids. Because at one point, the guy who should have been Ben Schwartz is like having an orgy casually. Because say what you will about the Wachowskis, but they are so horny. Like their movies are are so horny. Like this is a a PG thirteen movie, which is rare for the Wachowskis. They usually Mm -hmm. sort of work in the R range, but there is an extended butt shot of the. The sister of the of the royalty, yeah, like longer than it needed to be. Yeah, like, she's no. attractive, but it was it was just well because that's like, the, the the aforementioned a minute, minute and a half. Yeah, the aforementioned goo that keeps you after young. she came out of the goo. Yeah, yeah, we got to see uh, just a lingering shot of her butt. Uh, also, you know, for the Wachowskis, sort of like not a lot overlapping with the matrix like at first glance but when you step back and realize that it's about uh outsiders who aren't humans really wanting to exploit you know earth for natural resources that keep them alive you realize like okay you you definitely have a wheelhouse and this is in it you know it's yeah robots using humans as batteries not so different from from what ends up happening <laughs> from <clears throat> Human human aliens that have found this goo that makes them live forever, and they need to keep getting that goo. Yeah. So yeah. so there's all that. Uh, okay. So I think we set the the stage pretty well. 
Uh, now we should probably bring in some of these like overly complicated <laughs> like details, um, starting with Channing Tatum. Yeah, Channing Tatum and Sean Bean, uh, I think, yeah. falls into this category. So in this in this world, there are a bunch of people who are genetically engineered with terrestrial, like Earth animals. Like there's yeah. sort of these weird hybrid things. And we're going to, yeah, like we'll, we'll talk more about it, but the, this, this was a bit like way too convoluted, the logic of this, but. And just the fact that like, so Channing Tatum is bred with a dog because that makes him a good soldier. But like wolf, right? Because I think they even use the term lichen. So I, I think they're, yeah. they're going for like, and I was, look, I was really hoping he was going to turn into some kind of wolf man. At some point, I would have been, I would have been with it, um, or at least cast like a hairy man to play the part too. Would also be a note, but but yeah, they they said that he was crossbred with wolves or, or dogs or, but he's got they call him a lichen in the movie, and and at one point he says that like because there's a romantic subplot between Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis because put them on screen and try not to have one. Am I right? That that chemistry <laughs> was palpable, baby. Yeah, it was. I don't know. They might have even had less chemistry than uh, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman in episode two. Yeah, there is just there's not they they feel like they're meeting each other for the first time in every scene they filmed together. <laughs> like the scene where like she's like all like enamored with him is so out of left field. Yeah, I was honestly, I gotta be honest, until that point, I didn't think they were doing a romantic subplot. Like, I no, didn't me neither. I was like, I was like, what's happening? Um, <laughs> but anyways, and here's like, so I, I was reading uh, the IMDb trivia for this movie, like while watching it, just to get some other background. So apparently Channing Tatum had to wear like a jaw prosthesis <laughs> that made it almost impossible for him to talk. Which, but like, if you look, I mean, no, no offense to Jenny Tatum, <laughs> but the, on the best of days, you know, <laughs> but like, it wasn't no, so sorry. obvious. Sorry, not since you put a thing over Tom Hardy's mouth has there been a less <laughs> wise use of like, hey, this guy can't talk real good to start with. Let's really like, <laughs> let's really obstruct that more. But. No, and then like I guess he recorded most of his dialogue like they when they did the ADR looping, okay, because it was so hard for him to talk. But, and like, he was sleepy. At, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but to look at him, there do, it, there isn't like a noticeable modification to his facial facial features. I didn't think. No, no, no. There's no reason if they did that to have done that. He has a goatee. I don't know. Yeah, that was and something. Pointy, and he has pointy ears, you know, because he's a dog. Mm-hmm. They're also look while we're at this point. He also has wings, which is really so hat on a hat. And I was so confused by because oh, at the end. Well, because there's a whole plot line about how he used to have wings and then he wants the wings back. But they like what is going on with this genetic modification? I don't understand how I, it works because wolves, to my knowledge, don't have wings. I know I, the way I saw it is that they weren't biological wings. They were like. Like hot, like a falcon. But you know what I mean? It feels very hat on a hat. Like he's already well, genetically and, modified with one animal and then like also. And he has the flying boots. Well, and then this, so that's the other problem is his whole thing is he just wants these wings, but he also has boots that allow him to fly. So why does he, he doesn't even seemingly need the wings. I think he's probably doing better. 
with just the boots. He's real good with them. He's real good with the boots. Yeah. Um, yeah. One other thing, and I, I feel like this was Mila Kunis doing her version of I want a purple lightsaber, <laughs> uh, was uh, she'd wear, like, I feel like some days she'd want to wear the really fancy, like, space finery outfits, and other days she just wanted to show up in her yoga outfit. <laughs> well, also, that was, I, I don't know that I entirely tracked with their logic, but I think that they implied that, like, somehow her clothes were being changed. Uh, I, I didn't quite get it, because she, she asked about that, like, when uh, he rescued, there's a scene where he rescues her from uh, a hospital because that's when the the evil space siblings uh, become aware of her and they're trying to kidnap her and he shows up. But uh, like she's in the hospital gown and then when she wakes up, she's in like a different outfit and she's worried that Channing Tatum changed her clothes. And he says something about how her clothes changed and I didn't really track it. And then it just seemed it didn't seem like she was like changing clothes. It seemed like her clothes were somehow able to change given the situation. Yeah. Just one of the many like unnecessarily complex again yeah like and that to me is the the biggest thing that stood out to me in this movie is just like it felt like they really wanted to do world building but the the world building was so muddled and so all over the place and really confusing there's like a thing where mila kunis like bees are like when they're around her they they respect that she's a queen because sean bean tells us that uh, you know, bees they, no royalty. They know royalty. You know, beans no royalty. <laughs> and then, like, the, <laughs> you said beans no royalty. Yeah, that's what he says. He refers to himself as beans. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some logic that bees no royalty, and that's important in that one scene, and then never important again. <laughs> like, yeah, like I guess it was to make the point, like, to, for her to start to realize that there's more to her than just a cleaning lady sure and i i liked it I'm, I'm gonna be honest i thought it was an interesting idea i thought like maybe at the end you know some bees were gonna show up and like help her or something i didn't like it just was dropped you know yeah um <clears throat> so here's another thing that i thought was part of the wild inconsistencies with some of the world building of this movie so you have channing tatum who is bred with a dog and he has kind of pointy ears and a goatee, you mm -hmm. know, like dogs do. Yeah. Then you have Sean Bean who is, uh, mixed with a bee. And if you like, sometimes his eyes look like fragmented in the right light and his hair is kind of striped. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that completely pass as a normal human. But then when they get to the one ship, uh, there's a guy who just straight up looks like an elephant. Yeah. There's also lizard people on Eddie Redmayne's ship. Yeah. That look they like the Goombas from Super Mario Bros. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <clears throat> and they kind of teased that these were like leftovers from the dinosaurs because that was all part of like the earth is a farm to these people basically to mm -hmm. get the goo. Yep. And the dinosaurs were a, nece a necessary part of, of getting that goo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I guess. <laughs> and, and I think the whole thing is like any of this stuff is fine, but I, I think what we're really talking about and what really drove me crazy is the movie, like every few minutes, like every 10 minutes is introducing some new idea like this. Okay. Now there's lizard people. Now they kill the dinosaurs. Now, uh, Channing Tatum is a, a dog person, but like none of it 
felt like it had any weight. None of it informed anything. None of it like there's straight up. There's a part where the guy who should have been John Ralphio uh, really wants to marry Mila Kunis to like consolidate their power, uh, which is interesting. That's a good plot point. But like there is no weight given to the fact that we are clearly told that she looks exactly like his mom. And we don't know, like, is this a back to the future situation? And he's weirded out by that, but wants to marry his mom for the power. Does he, is he in love with his mom? Is it an Oedipus situation? And he's all about it. Like, there's just no, like, we are told clearly she looks and not just told, we're actually shown there's a statue of their mom that's just a statue of Mila Kunis, like right. identical to their mom. That's the whole point. That's why she has this power. And dude's just like, hey, you want to get married? That's a normal thing. I have no feelings about it. And it's like, what? Like, you know, like. Yeah, because it was another. Yeah, it was another thing that just in the general of stuff being thrown at the wall, but not having enough weight to stick, I guess, is that like. At one point, they just kind of pause the movie and just do Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, they, they hint that there's this, like, heavy bureaucracy, and they do, like, a bureaucratic scene, which features Terry Gilliam in a cameo, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. And it's just so that she can... So Mila Kunis, because she is the genetic reincarnation of the former queen... Uh, so she's she claiming claim her title. Yeah, she's claiming her and, title. But yeah, it's like she's got to do a lot of paperwork. Yeah. And it's it's you know, it's played for laughs and it's see bureaucracy sucks everywhere. Yuck, yuck, yuck. But then what's weird is when we get to the part that I was talking about where the one of the sons wants to marry her. Suddenly there's no paperwork for that. You None. can just get married just easily. <laughs> yeah. And uh Joel and I are we are both married men and there's paperwork that goes along. With oh my that. god, there's so much paperwork. My wife and I often said if we didn't love each other so much and if there wasn't like if it wasn't specifically the other one of us, we would not have done <laughs> like everything involved <laughs> in getting married and we had a small wedding. Like yeah. <clears throat> but um, um but yeah, so like again, it's just another thing of like yeah, you make a big – and again, this is just the, the – we're kind of like beating the same drum over and over again. But it's just the movie comes up with an idea. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it isn't. But then it's just for that sequence, that scene, uh, and then it's dropped. And while we're here too, just another thing is like that – the bureaucracy thing was interesting. I've seen better versions of that. I mean obviously like Douglas Adams is the – like amazing at yeah. that you know certainly terry gillum yeah you know? yeah the movie brazil <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. There, there's been a lot of like that explored the, the this movie it's attempts at comedy are not good like overall you know and there's again there's not really chemistry between channing tatum and mila kunis there's a part that i my brain registered i was like i think this is supposed to be funny where he's bleeding and she gives him like a sanitary pad to stop the bleeding but like they're not really playing it for comedy, but then it's it feels like it's like it's not funny, but it feels like it's supposed to be funny. Because honestly, like if you want something to absorb blood, that like that's not a bad. Ch- that's like well, right. if you don't have a first aid kit. That's like a decent choice. That's like good field medicine, I guess. Well, and it's like again, I I don't know how he felt about it really. Like because he does like a half hearted like is that, and then it like cuts, but it's. You could have played it. He's an alien. Maybe he doesn't know, you know, 
what it is. Or maybe there's like, you know, maybe he has strong feelings one way or the other. Maybe he's super enthusiastic about using it. But like you didn't make an emotional choice. Especially because like they've established that these are all like he's a genetically modified homo sapien. Yeah. The terrible rich people are homo sapiens. But because of the goo, they can keep regenerating their cells and live yeah, forever. Yeah, they're Elizabeth Bathory and, you know, just like, just revving themselves up, staying young. You know, they they, um, they talk about living thousands of years, you know. Yeah, the the one that, Mila Kunis was 91 millennium. The mom millennia, that she looks like. The mom, and then she was murdered. Yeah. And I think they hinted in, that Eddie Redmayne murdered her. Oh, yeah, I guess we're just doing spoilers, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, uh, but yes, that it seemed to be clear at the end. He he seemed to imply that maybe his mom had wanted to be murdered by him. Uh, he just screamed a lot. Yeah. Um, Again, big swings. Redmayne's taking he went big for swings. It. Yeah, went for it. He's he's full out Pacino. He's in that Pacino. They cannot take back my Oscar. I can do whatever I want acting. Yeah, he's 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 going for it for it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a movie. It was a movie. Uh, also, speaking of things that like came in and out of the movie that they kept dropping, they really couldn't decide if they, as storytellers, were interested in Mila Kunis' family or not. Again, whole long backstory about her dad that takes up a lot of screen time and has no relevance to anything else. Uh, Could have not been in the movie and wouldn't have changed anything. Because it's not cousin- even like... Even emotionally, we're not even sure how it informed her that she lost her dad because she doesn't play that ever. Like, it's never clear if she's sad about it. Like, she wants to buy a telescope because her dad had a telescope. But, like, other he than died that, before she was born. He died before she was born. She doesn't seem to have any emotional reaction. She's just aware that he existed. But, again, we see all that. And it, it's a <laughs> yeah. lot of time is spent on it for no real reason. Uh, but then she has this large Russian family. And at the beginning, they're very, like, doting and they're very involved. And then she's, like, on other planets for the bulk of the movie. And we only sporadically remember to check in with them after that. For no reason other than, like, it it just doesn't make sense. And one of the big, and this is, again, spoilery, but I don't think that anyone's going to be really mad at us for spoiling Jupiter Ascending five years later. Yeah. Um, Is that... Like, at the end of the movie, she basically goes, knowing that she owns planet Earth, Mm -hmm. like, she is the owner of planet Earth and one of the wealthiest individuals in the solar system galaxy, however big you want to stretch this out, but just goes back to her regular life, Mm -hmm. except for occasionally goes flying with Channing Tatum. Yeah, she keeps the boots. Like, Channing Tatum gets his wings back and she takes his, his flyy boots. Uh, Good thing they had the same shoe size. Yeah, the exact same shoe size. Uh, but he even says something to her about it, like, are you going to tell your family that you own Earth? And she's like, no, ha, ha, ha. They wouldn't believe me. Because they also, this movie also Didn't. just like half-heartedly steals the uh, like men in black ability to erase people's minds if they encounter aliens. Like that's another thing that's just casually thrown in there and pays off like three times in the movie. Yeah. 
She also had a friend. I didn't really get like that. We we that was in a, her underwear for a while. For yeah, no we had a friend reason. in her underwear who I'm pretty sure is a, the actress that's also in like the Mission Impossible movies and was in uh, the most recent uh, Hobbs and Shaw. You know, oh, movie. Yeah. And it, but she just is there to be in her underwear, and I didn't understand her inclusion in anything really. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of wasted time on things that ended up not mattering. Um, I, I do think, like I said, I, you know, maybe we can, uh, unless if, if, if we're missing anything you would like to, to vent about, maybe we could try. No, to, I think that's it. I'm, I'm, I think we should start getting towards this. Yeah. We, we try to get to lining. the silver lining. I, I will say that I really did feel like I, I kind of got the sense that if the Wachowskis had turned this in as like the first draft of a screenplay that someone could have gone through and weeded out a lot of the stuff that ends up not mattering. And if we had focused more on. Uh, or given it weight. Or but found I'm saying ways to like. Away, yeah. Well, no matter what, you got to pare down like half of oh, this yeah. movie you could just toss when you can. It's up to you to decide as the writer, like what parts you're tossing. But like you're you're way too muddled with everything. So I think just like going through and paring down what's going on and then the stuff that is working or you feel is working or you want to work, giving that more weight, giving that more time and developing it. I really think like for me, I I feel like if you had simplified it because Channing Tatum has his own backstory and it's dumb and long and not terribly interesting. I think something it doesn't like, play doesn't impact yeah, anything related to the plot. It doesn't impact anything related to the plot. I think if you had done something of like he had been protecting the mother that was killed and that's why he's been outcast. And then that's also why he's protecting Mila Kunis because she's the reincarnation of the person that he failed to kill. Something as simple as that would have like tied it to the plot, made it make sense uh, and just made it easier to follow. Like there's so much happening and so much of it does not matter. Cut all yeah. the stuff with her dad as a back- backstory. None of that matters at all. <laughs> I th- it's one of those things where I think some of it was they were trying really hard to avoid a lot of fantasy cliches. I guess. In some ways. Um, but in so doing, like, didn't improve upon the way they were trying to replace them. Like, the fact that, like, it, it would have been more obvious if, like, Mila Kunis's father was part of this outer space bureaucracy something sure he's just a dude and she and his mom's just a lady and they have a kid who happens to be the genetic reincarnation and like i thought that was a neat idea that you know infinite monkeys with infinite typewriters are going to turn out hamlet type of thing that uh, there's enough you know you repeat the human genome there's a finite amount of combinations eventually there's going to be genetic matches that i thought was cool um and the fact but that like, the, their society puts weight to that, you know. Right. But it, but even that, again, I, we don't really understand what it means for her because she seems to have to marry her children to consolidate her power. She owns Earth. We don't really know what else she owns. It feels like their mother should have more claims to more things. Right. Um, you know, like they destroyed uh, Eddie Redmayne's foundry on Jupiter that was generating a lot of income. Yeah, so that's a bad thing. Well, and that's the other thing too. The Mila Kunis's character name is Jupiter, but he has a foundry on Jupiter. But she owns Earth, which is just of the same like you know lichens with with wings of just like 
it's all so muddled. Then you're you're kind of speaking to things, but then bringing in other things that make it more confusing. I will say this. Um, maybe this can be a silver lining. I for I don't know why, but it started to amuse me, and I started to write down. I'll give him this for the title. Jupiter does literally ascend multiple times throughout the movie. And I, t- I started to track him. She ascends in the hospital. She kind of levitates off the table. Uh, yep. She ascends uh, right after that. And then multiple other times in Channing Tatum's arms, he picks her up and they and ascend they with his boots. Uh, she ascends metaphorically in that she is the reincarnation of their mother and she does all the paperwork. And so she ascends in status. Uh, and then at the end, she's she's flying around more. She's, so she ascends a lot in this movie. So title earned. I'll give yeah, them that. The Jupiter for sure ascends. <laughs> she descends a lot too. There's a lot of falling, but you well, know. What goes up must come down. Exactly. You, know? I mean, you can't ascend without eventually descending. Descending. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. I think. Like, I, I think one of the silver linings, especially, I mean, this is 2015. This is right in the heart of we're not going to try to find anything new under the sun. We're just going to go back to the well is sort of what Hollywood is doing that this is an attempt at something brand new. It's I mean, not based on written material. It is, but it's also, it has a little bit of that CS Lewis quality to it of, uh, that was if, for those of you who are not, uh, super nerds, uh, CS Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien existed at the same time. Tolkien's like, uh, knock on CS Lewis was that, his uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, those books, they really just, like, repurposed characters that already existed. So, like, it's new, but, like, nothing in it is super new. Like, the, yeah. it's using a lot of, like, genetically modified humans that have been crossbred with animals. It's definitely a thing, like, we've seen before. Like, it, right. it's mixing a lot of genres and it's, like, repurposing a lot of stuff. But it's, again, I mean, the the lizard people, they, they're in that terrible Super Mario Brothers live action movie. So, I've definitely seen them before. That's true. Um, I know, but I think the fact that it takes swings, though, I think it. I think it does as much as Eddie Eddie Redmayne does with his acting. Um, I, but look, I'm going to go ahead and say it since we're at the silver lining part. I think Eddie Redmayne. I don't know if it was the right choice, but made a necessary choice in that the other two siblings are nothing in this movie. I think again they needed to be taking bigger swings. I honestly. I think this movie would have really sung like it needed a Caligula rewrite. Like they needed to be way more decadent, way more just terrible. Like I, every scene of them should be them like eating or having orgies or just being opulent just, and terrible. Yeah, I think they're they're sort of and they could have even used the the three siblings as different ways to explore a response to immortality. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, like, because I think that some people would become incredibly blasé about, like, there is, I've been alive for thousands upon thousands of years. There is nothing that can surprise me. Yeah. No, and for then sure. There's like, and that, and that, like, but they didn't dive into that so much with this more blasé twin or siblings. Um, and then there's the other thing is, you know, uh, there's literally no consequences for my actions. So I'm yeah. just going to do whatever the hell I want. And that was Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. 
you know again and that's what i mean like he's the most clearly defined i don't know if it was the right choice but i i have trouble really nailing down what the other two characters really were yeah especially um the the sister i don't i don't think that she she seemed they they for whatever reason painted her as the most sincere but then as the movie progressed it revealed that she was uh, a bit more evil than she let on, but she was like the one that was being super nice to Mila Kunis at first. Yeah, and but ne- but didn't like go all the way to being selfishly out for her own gain. Nor did she go all the way. Well, I want you to be happy. Like they could, they, they didn't pick a lane with her. No, and I I think that is what this movie suffers from the most is it just needed to make bigger choices. Like there wasn't. The stakes, weirdly, in a movie that's about the fate of the Earth and, like, uh, all of our survival in a way, like, the stakes never felt that big. We never really felt the weight of these decisions. Uh, Yeah, that's why I say, like, I think Redmayne, like, is kind of a silver lining to me because, like, he had a clearly defined character that is making big choices and I understood what he wanted. Like, I really understood what he was doing. It, It was over the top but welcomely over the top in a movie that was often boring like it was yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna agree i think um i will say like i remember when this movie came out and the reviews and eddie redmayne caught a lot of flack yeah because he's definitely starring in a different movie than everybody else yeah but i gotta but be he's honest probably in the right movie no that's what i mean i want to watch that movie more than i want to watch the movie that i'm watching for sure because <laughs> again it, it feels full of life uh and yeah like i think take that run with it make it sillier make bees attack him at the end because she controls bees i guess the bees respect her so yeah so maybe maybe that's her, her plan should revolve around trying to get to some bees uh yeah so yeah, Redmayne, he's he's a silver lining for me. I wanna I don't wanna forget this one. I wanna remember Sean Bean lived, baby. Yeah, he that survived. That is for sure a silver lining. He made Definitely. it all the way to the end he made of the it movie. Through a movie. Yeah, and they're not Sean making Bean. sequels to this, so his character's living forever. Yep, he's immortal, baby. <laughs> he got some of that goo. He's never dying. Never. He's gonna get that goo. <laughs> John Bean. I, I honestly, I was watching this movie tracking that of like, don't let Bean die because this is definitely a silver lining for me if he can make it to the end. And I was, there was a few times I was nervous for him, but, but yeah, he he made it through. He made it. Th- he, he forgot said, he had a daughter. I'm pretty sure. I think so. But yeah. he even said towards the end, he's like, "Well, I made it through." He actually said that line. Did he? <laughs> yeah, he really did. So yeah. he knew. So he he got it. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if, like, when Sean Bean gets scripts, before he like even reads them, he's like, "Does he ask like, am I gonna die in this?" There was uh, that's a Michael Caine uh joke. I don't know right. joke, but, a- but Michael Caine has said that in interviews that he when he gets a script, he looks at the first page and he looks at the last page, and is it, if his name is on both of those pages, he does the movie. And I, I yeah. want to think that that's where Sean Bean's at. Like, look, I better be on that last page. I want to. I better be saying some quip to Channing Tatum as we fade to black. <laughs> Here we go again. Like, 
Uh, he was great. By the way, Sean Bean, I really enjoyed. I, his character was all over the place. And I, I yeah. didn't get his thing necessarily, but I liked... He adds gravitas to, to all the scenes. He's a he's good in. actor. He's... he's yeah. And I, I think that, like... Yeah, I think he was good in that. I believed that the bees knew that she was royalty because he told me that they did. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, that. Yeah, I think that's... That's the gravitas that only the bean can can give. All right, so he lived. Eddie Redmayne was was going big and going hard. Eddie Redmayne was in the movie that it should have been. Yeah, if he wasn't in the movie that it was. Uh, is there anything? I, I feel like the, I'm going to be honest. This feels a little thin. I wish we had a little bit more <laughs> to silver line this movie. I, I mean, I, I that's the thing is like this movie is is sort of like a big cipher where nothing really matters and nothing really sticks. Yeah. I mean, she, there's not a, a person that exists that if you found out that you owned planet earth, you would just live your life the way you'd always lived it. No, no. Well, she, and the thing is too, she didn't even want to live her life the way that she lived it before she found out that she owned earth. She didn't seem satisfied right. with it. Like we're told in the beginning that she's selling her eggs like to, to get more money. Like, she wants money to buy a telescope because – presumably because she wants – well, obviously, it's like a thing with her dad or whatever. But also, like, she wants to look out at the stars. Like, that's a character trait of someone who wants more than their life. That's a lot of that, money to – It's we're told it's $4,000 for this telescope. That's a lot right. of money to spend on something if it's not – like, if you're happy with your life, you don't spend $4,000 on, like, a thing that isn't a necessity. Right. Yeah, so – I mean, I think so I think the silver lining is that Eddie Redmayne went for it. Eddie Redmayne went for it. Sean Bean lived. Jupiter did ascend. Yeah, I mean, listen, the silver linings aren't always going to be wide bands. They're uh, <laughs> sometimes they're just going to be like little slivers. I also look. I liked the bee thing. I wish it had been more of a thing. I, I was interested in the bees, and uh, you know. In a different movie, <laughs> I think you could have done more with the bees knowing what's up. Yeah, and I'd be curious if they kept playing in this world what might have happened. Yeah. But just because I feel like they kind of wrapped everything up. Well, that was the thing. I mean, we we started this by saying these are uh, franchise hopeful movies, and I I guarantee that they hoped this would be a franchise and and probably would have come up with something for a sequel. But I'm with you that I don't see it either. Like, like I'm it, not really sure what we would have done next. Yeah, I'm sure this movie was pitched as chapter one of a franchise. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and they they and it it I don't know. I mean. The big bad kind of got vanquished. Yeah. She decided to go back to her normal life and and play with Channing Tatum in his wings. <laughs> and and the bell rang and Channing Tatum did get his wings. So Yes. So, you know, his <laughs> the classic story of Wolf gets wings, Wolf loses wings, Wolf gets his wings back and gives rocket shoes to girlfriend. Yeah, Tale as old as time. <laughs> that old chestnut. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's that's it. All right. Well, that's it. Hey, 
Okay, we we silver lined as much as we could. We silver found line. the silver lining as much as we could. So keep on trucking on down that highway of life. <laughs> and when life gives you wolves, give them wings. Oh. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.